Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Well, we have been doing a series of talks starting last Sunday on the art of neighboring. And if you weren't here last Sunday, we showed a brief video of the two pastors that kind of began this. And they began it because of a very sobering moment in their lives. They asked the mayor of their community in suburban Denver, Colorado, they asked him, Mayor, what can we do for our community? And uh, the mayor said, you know, the best thing you can do is be good neighbors. And then they interviewed the assistant city manager, and she said something that affected them profoundly. She said, you know, she said, frankly, we see no difference in terms of neighboring between Christians and non-Christians. That's pretty sobering for a pastor to hear. And so they began to think about this and developed some of the resources that we have today around the art of neighboring. Some of you may recall, we touched on this a few years ago, and we really felt like coming out of COVID, coming out of the, this long time that we have all been sort of cooped up, is a wonderful time to engage with our neighbors. Last week, we talked about the story of the Good Samaritan as an example of neighboring. And uh, you can find that in Luke chapter 10, an amazing story uh, of one who understood what it was to neighbor. Even in the midst of the racism that was experienced by the Samaritan people, he was the hero of the story that Jesus told. So this summer, we're going to engage in helping you to understand that you can move in relationship with your neighbors from stranger to an acquaintance and on into actual relationship. So on your way in this morning, you should have received one of these fridge magnets. John is at the back. If you didn't get one, would you raise your hand so that he can make sure that you get one this morning? John, it looks like you did better than you thought. Um, so um, if, you, if you've missed one for whatever reason, you can get one on the way out. So I'm going to ask you to do something this morning, and I'm going to ask you to take a moment. Now, we discovered in the first service that these are a little, they're shiny, and they're a little difficult to write on. So you might need a Sharpie or something like that. So if you could write on it, do so. I'm going to give you a few moments to do that. If you can't, then I want you to do it as a mental exercise. And when you get home, take a Sharpie, and you can complete it, and then put it on your fridge. So here's the instructions for you. So your house is in the middle. These are eight houses that surround you. Now, in your street, it may not be that your house is sort of right in the middle of the block. So I want to encourage you to think of eight houses nearby. So in our case, we have eight houses on one side of our street and eight houses on the other side of our street. You may be in a cul-de-sac. You might be in a condo or an apartment. So think through what it looks like for your neighbors. And I want you to think of eight neighbors. And I want you to, if you're able to, write them down. If you're not, I want you to think about them. Think about the names of your eight closest neighbors to you geographically. John's going to play a little music. I want you to take just a couple of minutes for this exercise, if you would.
it's okay to talk. You can collaborate if somebody around you you think knows your neighbors better than you do. Do you not get one of these, brother? Stays up in Adak or Dutch? Dutch. Oh, okay. Is there anything in Adak? Oh, it's desolate. Used to be a navy town. It's just a place for escapees from So you don't like to put you don't like to put in there unless you have to. Okay, um, some of you may still be working, uh, but you can finish um, a little bit later today. So um, I have a question for you. Were any of you able to identify by name eight neighbors? Anybody? Wow, look at those hands. That is great, good job. So, so the, the, this project actually gets a little more interesting because in addition to being able to identify first and last name, the next step is to identify something about them uh, that, you, that, that you know. Um, and so it, you, you can certainly put that on your, on your magnet if you want to. And then the third thing is uh, something that you know more deeply about them. So here's what the guys did that I mentioned last week. They said, based upon the distribution of, uh, of the art of neighboring, they said that about 10% of people can fill in the names of all eight of their neighbors, 10%. So you guys, I don't know, there might have been more than 10% of the hands raised today. Um, about 3% knew relevant information and facts about all eight of their neighbors, and less than 1% knows in-depth things about all eight of their neighbors. So take a step back for just a moment and think about this. So we were given the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And yet most of us are not able to identify who those are within that relatively close reach. So we have our work cut out for us as we move from stranger to acquaintance to relationship. And part of having this on your fridge 
is a reminder to pray for your neighbors. Simply pray for your neighbors. So I know that some of us are introverted. We're a little shy and it's hard to do these things. But you can start by praying and then be open for the opportunities that God gives us. So today we're going to be in the same chapter we were last Sunday, which is in, uh, in the 10th chapter of Luke. And before I forget, folks that are watching online, um, we're going to be around till probably, I don't know, 11.15, 11.30 this morning. If you really want to magnet badly, uh, but you're still not ready to come into the room, you're welcome to pop by the, the lobby and wave, and uh, John will make sure that you get a magnet. And then uh, Jan will make sure that they're available in the church office as well if you want to pop by and, uh, and get one there, because we don't want to leave out the folks that are watching online this morning. So Luke 10, the first story we looked at last week was the story of the Good Samaritan. Now we're going to look at the next story that follows it. And at first blush, it looks like they have nothing in common. One is dealing with the Good Samaritan, a story that Jesus tells. And then we jump into real life where Jesus goes to the home of Mary and Martha. And this is the passage that Casey read for us this morning. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into their house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So let's, in the few moments we have remaining, let's unpack this together. So first of all, we see in this passage that, that Martha had a problem with time, and we have a problem with time. In fact, probably the biggest issue we have with neighboring has to do with our time, doesn't it? So in our story, we see that Martha serves and Mary listens. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, verse 38, and a woman named Martha welcomed him to her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Now, I must confess that I am a little hesitant to say anything bad about Martha and her serving. And that's because we have a fairly traditional house at our house, and Barb is the one who does much of the serving in our home, especially as it relates to food. And so if I were to diss Martha in serving this morning, I could be in trouble by this evening. Um, I, 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 I'm not a bad cook when it comes to peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But beyond that, um, I, I need Barb. And so um, we find here that, that it's important, I think, for us to understand that Jesus is not denigrating the service of Martha. Serving is very important. In fact, when we look at the characteristics of fully devoted followers of Jesus, one of the key ingredients is that they're involved in serving. They, they serve others. It's, it's just a natural outflow of God's discipling work in their lives. And so Martha was in that category. So our text doesn't say that she was, was, was just simply doing a good job of serving, what it says is that she was distracted. It wasn't just the serving, but she was distracted, and in her distraction, she became too busy. Some of us can think back a few years. 
I'm wondering, does anybody remember a ringer washer? Anybody remember a ringer washer? If, if, those of you that have raised your hands, have you ever used a ringer washer? You have. Wow, that's, that's pretty cool. That, that takes us back a long time. For those of you, how many of you have no idea what a ringer washer is? Well, yeah, some of you, especially those under 18. Um, <laughs> Yeah, a ringer washer, you used to have to, to do your rinse cycle, I guess, through the, you know, take the, the water out through the ringer that was on the top of the top of the washer. Now, when it comes to dryers, when I grew up, the dryers were really cool, uh, literally cool, because you had to go outdoors to hang up your clothes, right? And if you lived in a high-tech home, then you actually only had to go as far as the back porch because there you had a pulley and you could put your stuff on and run it down the pulley, right? Remember, remember that? High-tech pulley. It was, uh, it was great. And so we have these devices that are so time-saving. When my grandfather was born, it was still the days of horse and buggy. One horsepower, guys. Just, I mean, literally one horsepower. Um, I don't know, I'm looking for a car guy. Bob in the room, what's a new, what does a new uh, Corvette have in it? 480 horsepower. So we go, from, we go from one to 480 horsepower. It's like, it's like absolutely incredible. And then we're gonna go to a lot of horsepower out of, out of batteries uh, soon. I mean, imagine, imagine that. But, but the point here is that, the point here is that you would think that having all of these time-saving advances, that we would be back to, to um, having all kinds of free time. But it doesn't work that way, right? We've only gotten busier. We've gotten all these things and we've gotten busier. One of the things that has been interesting to me when I talk to folks at North Sound who have retired, um, I have heard the chorus, the refrain, I don't know before I retired how I ever had time to do the things that I needed to do, right? You, your, your, your time expands to fill the, what is allotted, the tasks uh, expand to the time allotted to it. John Ortberg in The Life You Always Wanted talks about our current lifestyle and one of the issues that he calls hurry sickness. And he identifies hurry sickness as something that affects us in our spiritual life, in our relationship with Jesus and our growth, because we don't have time for the Lord because we're too busy with all of the other details of our lives. He says again and again, as we pursue spiritual life, we must do battle with hurry. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it's that we'll become so distracted, rushed and preoccupied that we'll settle for a mediocre, mediocre version of it. We'll just skim our lives instead of actually living them. He says, following Jesus cannot be done at a sprint. So John goes on to identify some symptoms of hurry sickness. See if any of these apply to you. Constantly speeding up daily activities, always pursuing the fast line at Costco. Y'all, like me, you look for the one that's got the fewest people in it because you want to save time. Multitasking. Ever try to eat dinner, watch TV, read a book and talk to someone at the same time, multitasking. Clutter, 
By the way, the, the new version of multitasking is the cell phone, right? <laughs> I, I am amazed in how many meetings I have, uh, how folks are looking down at the cell phone because there might be something more interesting on the cell phone than in the conversation we're having. I know none of you would do that here, um, except for the Sunday, Robin. <laughs> my, my favorite cell phone story was was when we were in the little white church and Pastor Robin, you were fairly new, I think, to the job. And uh, he was on the front row about where Cece is. And Cece, he was on his cell phone, if you can imagine this. And, uh, and I'm preaching, just like I am now. And Robin's doing something on his cell phone. And I'm thinking, mm, what is going on down there? So I stopped the sermon. And I said, Robin, are you texting? And he said, it's God. He says you're doing a good job. <laughs> okay, clutter, clutter. You saved your job that day, Robin. That was good. We have physical things uh, that that clutter up our lives as well as other things that we allow into our schedule that clutters our schedules. We need to be able to say no. Superficiality, wisdom and depth takes time to cultivate. And many of us have traded uh, 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 our, that which would take us deep into relationship for a microwave maturity. An inability to love, he says, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Those of us that have a little more mileage than others have probably discovered that, that love and hurry are not very compatible. And then finally, sunset fatigue. It's when at the end of the day, <clears throat> we're just too tired, too drained, too preoccupied to love the people to whom we have made the deepest promises. Hurry prevents us from receiving love from the Father or giving it to his children. So how do we deal with this? Well, the second thing I want to suggest from our passage is that we can't create more time. There's only 24 hours in the day, but we can manage our time better. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Time, like our money, is a precious resource. And for many of us, the, <clears throat> the money isn't necessarily growing by leaps and bounds, and so it needs to be managed, and we call that a budget. And some of us need to look at our time because it's also limited and manage our time. Many people have found that this is a help to them. And I like the way Stephen Covey puts it in a time management matrix that John will put up here for us. We find in the time management matrix that um, there are activities in our lives that are important and not important. And there are activities in our lives that are urgent and not urgent. And I don't have time to spend a lot of time on this this morning, except to encourage you, if you want to take a quick snapshot of this, or you can look at uh, of the, the seven habits of highly effective people. But basically, what he says is we need to move in planning our days and planning our time. He suggests doing this weekly, taking time weekly to plan our week. And to move our planning and our use of time into the important but not urgent category. That's our best use of time. And you'll notice it talks about prevention, recreation, or recreation, uh, and relationship building, seeing opportunities, and planning. But particularly for our purposes this morning, having the time to manage the relationships in our lives. 
Sometimes we need to just stop doing some things. It's what someone has called the art of elimination. And some of you may have seen Michelangelo's statue of David in Florence. Michelangelo said this, he carved out that statue from this big block of marble. And he said this, he said, I removed everything that was not a masterpiece. I removed everything that was not a masterpiece. Friends, we need to think about our time. I love, John, the term you use, QTR, quality time remaining, and to recognize that it's not unlimited and that we had best use it as good stewards of what God has given us. Finally, this morning, we need to establish priorities. <clears throat> we read in verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. So in this passage we're looking at with Mary and Martha, Jesus says one thing is necessary. You know what the scripture says the one thing is? It says in one place, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom. We have <clears throat> been looking at the great commandment. The great commandment has two parts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That gets pretty close to the heart of what God wants us to do. And so, what does neighboring look like to you right in this moment? I'm going to invite John Taylor to come up and join me and share with you a story of neighboring. I'm having John come, John um, is an elder at North Sound. He was also on staff for a period of time. He is a church architect over 700 projects under his belt with churches. And uh, John and Jean have just done an amazing job with a neighbor. And uh, I had John come this morning because I followed this now for what, the last two years or so probably. And it's just an incredible story that I want John to share with you in about five, about the five minutes we have left remaining here. John? Okay, so um, Gene and I live on a cul-de-sac here in Edmonds, and we have exactly nine houses on our cul-de-sac. And we have lived there for a lot of years. In fact, over 30 years, our kids grew up there. Most of the people on our cul-de-sac have been there just as long. But I have to admit to you that for a lot of years, we all were really busy people. And uh, it, for a lot of time, it was, you know, you wave when you go to work. And, 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 and during the winter months, you know, you can go literally weeks and months without even greeting our neighbors. And from time to time, we finally got to the place where we knew everybody's name. Uh, but, you know, that just continued on for a long time. Even, even some of the kids that grew up in the cul-de-sac did not even know each other going to different schools and whatnot. A few years ago, however, um, uh, our next-door neighbor, Elizabeth, who is now 83 years old, uh, she fell and uh, she lives in a split-level house with stairs. She fell and broke her back. But it was this kind of injury where it didn't require surgery, but the kind where it was going to take literally months and months for her to heal. She couldn't lay down in her bed. 
she couldn't um, go to the bathroom alone. She couldn't take a shower alone. And um, what we found out um, in um, knowing Elizabeth over several years is that she absolutely has nobody. And so now she's a shut-in. She's 83 years old. Her nearest relative is a first cousin who lives in Canada. She lost her only daughter about 25 years ago who passed away, uh, who we got to know a little bit, but Elizabeth was still working in those days, and um, so we didn't really get to know a lot about her life. When we found out that she had absolutely nobody, um, no living relatives in this country, nobody to care for her but a few friends, thank goodness Jean, who is a retired school teacher, uh, went in and started to help Elizabeth with uh, doctor's appointments, uh, took two of us to get her up and down the stairs and in a wheelchair to get to doctor's appointments, and doing her laundry and helping her um, you know, bathing and whatnot. So we were it. And um, we've, we uh, accepted uh, that challenge, so to speak. And um, so as time went on then, that following year, during that year, we, we had an alpha group in our home. There were a couple people here at North Sound Church that attended our alpha group. And they would help us get Elizabeth from her house down the stairs into a wheelchair. And uh, Elizabeth started her journey of faith attending our Alpha group. During that time, several folks from North Sound Church would help us out. And now several of the neighbors um, started helping us out. In fact, it was nice because um, we needed to have a little bit of break from time to time and the neighbors would allow us to get away from time to time and get that, that break. Elizabeth is in very poor health, and just as she was getting over her back injury, um, COVID hit a year ago, and she took a severe downturn, having severe diabetes and uh, COPD and, and heart issues. Um, she crashed and went, had to go to Stevens Hospital here in Edmonds. We couldn't go in to see her, and yet she had nobody to act on her behalf, and we became that somebody. We almost lost her twice. She was in the hospital twice, went to rehab twice, got her back home. Jean Dorgie came, uh, our parish nurse here at the church, and gave us some good advice. and. And she, she, Jean said to us, John and Jane, you need to be prepared that all the markers are Elizabeth probably is not going to make it for very long. And uh, the doctors told us that and whatnot. Well, the miracle is Elizabeth started to really improve. But that meant she needed uh, help on a daily basis. And so we were it. We were then able to start to elicit a couple of our neighbors who helped out from time to time, but they still had busy lives. Anyway, fast forward to uh, just this last month, Elizabeth still is not able to lay down in bed. She still sleeps in a recliner, and we're still, we're still the caregivers, if you will. But Jane Dorgie says she's a walking miracle. 
So the other day, Elizabeth um, said, Gene, will you, you and John get me out in the yard and in a wheelchair? I want to see what's happened to my yard. She's a master gardener. For those of you who are master gardeners, your yard care is important to you as it is for Elizabeth. So um, her, her yard, literally, she's on a limited income and she can't afford uh, you know, yard care and people to come keep up her yard and she always did it herself. Well, she said to Jean, my yard has literally gone to pot. And, and, and I, I said in the first service when I said literally gone to pot, I thought for a minute, and not <laughs> pot, but you, you get the picture, it's bad. And what am I gonna do? And so um, we uh, got a brainstorm and we sent out an invite to three of the couples, uh, three other couples in the cul-de-sac and said, hey, you know, Elizabeth's doing so much better. You guys have helped us. This is a miracle. She's doing better. Uh, you know, would you be willing to help Gene and I put together a work party? They all said, that is so wonderful, guys. And so on June, the 19th, uh, Saturday, June 19th, uh, uh, six of us, eight of us are gonna get together and fix up Elizabeth's yard. Well, everybody's just dying to get out of this COVID thing. We're starting to take off our masks and talk in, in the cul-de-sac as we're greeting each other. And the idea came up, let's close off the street and let's have a post-COVID helping Elizabeth party. So I asked these neighbors, guys, should we ask the rest of the neighbors on our cul-de-sac because it, you know, they're gonna see the barbecues and the tables and Elizabeth said, I wanna get down the stairs, get me in the wheelchair, I wanna join this party. And uh, the neighbor said, absolutely, let's invite the entire cul-de-sac. Well, have you ever had any strife with your neighbors? <laughs> So um, there's a few neighbors that, um, you know, haven't talked to each other or won't talk to each other in many years. And so we're going to invite the whole neighborhood to join us, the cul-de-sac to join us. So June the 19th on Saturday, and the rest of the story is still unfolding. Well... John, if you don't mind, and I, I think I have Gene's permission, I, I launched out without it in the first service, but um, <clears throat> one of the most profound things about this for me was something that Elizabeth said uh, to Gene uh, as a result of this yeah, relationship. Yeah. Um, so we've had some great talks, Elizabeth and I, and, and Gene too, but um, Elizabeth one day kind of weeping a little bit. She said, you know, Gene Taylor is likely the first Christian, real Christian I've ever met. Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you. Let's thank John for coming up, shall we? As a result of showing the love of Jesus in a very tangible way, um, Jean heard those wonderful words and they're deeply meaningful that you, Jean, are the first real Christian I've ever met. And friends, it's a bit of an indictment on the rest of us, isn't it, in terms of we, we too need to live like Jesus called us to live. And it's pretty simple. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the instruction that it gives us. And Lord, we thank you for the truth that you reveal. It's not just academic truth, philosophical truth. It's truth about our lives and how we live them. Lord, I pray that you would help us, each one of us, although we will probably all of us begin with a little less intense relationship than the tailors have with Elizabeth. But help us, Lord, to begin. We can begin by praying. We can begin by getting to know folks. And then, Lord, we can look for opportunities to love on those that are nearest us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.